0: You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany. And welcome to The Social Workers here on WCDB Albany. My name is Eric Hardiman, and I'm co-host of The Social Workers here with Alyssa Lotmore. Welcome back, Alyssa.
1: Hey, Eric. I'm excited to for this episode today because we have an author today.
0: We do. I'm very excited to find out about this book, to learn more about the book and the author who wrote the book. Um, it's it's always nice when we have authors on the show. As, as a former English major myself, I like to uh, think about stories, about writing, about narrative, and and I think books are really important in general. So, uh, well, how particularly- many times
1: do we talk to individuals and they're like, "Oh, I want to write a book. I want to write a book," and then to yeah. actually have somebody who you know did write a book to come on and share not only about their book, but sort of the inspiration and the hard work it takes to put that together. So and I'm excited. And in particularly
0: this, in this day and age where uh, folks have, you know, their smartphones and their iPads and iPods and all this stuff that they can get information without books, uh, that sometimes I think books are viewed by the younger generation as, you know, a relic of the past um, but I, I like to think that they're still valuable. Oh, they and are. So it's, so it's great to talk uh, with an author. So let me introduce um, with us today, we have Renee Goldsmith Benson, who is with us from San Antonio, Texas. Renee uh, has an MA in sociology from New Paltz and an MSW from the University of Albany. So we have an alum of the School of Social Welfare She's worked in the field of social work for over 20 years, I believe, and is now currently residing in San Antonio, and San Antonio, Texas, that is. And she has a book that she has authored, and it's called 15 Minutes on Illinois Street. So, Renee, welcome to our show, and congratulations on the book, and we're, we're excited to hear about it.
2: Thank you so very, very much. And I'm really excited to be on the show, so thank you so much for having me.
1: So... As, as Eric said, you've been working in the field for quite a while and have a lot of expertise. And I remember I met you in person was I as a BSW student. You were the head of the agency that was my, part of my field practicum. So that's I was right. at Catholic Charities Caregiver Support Program in Albany. And that's where I first met you. Um, that's right. And I remember you were so knowledgeable and just offered so much just advice on how to work with with clients and the aging population and Caregivers, so I want to know, sort of, give our listeners an update about your experience and how you got into social work.
2: Oh wow! Okay, sure. Um, well, I uh, I was uh, late getting into college. I started as an adult, so it's never too late, folks, if you're listening and just thinking about it. Um, and uh, social work is just a fantastic degree program because it's so diverse and can be applied in so many ways. And uh, To to make this potentially lengthy conversation much shorter, I'll just say that um, my background started off in the field of mental health, um, uh, working with clients and also as an advocate. And then I went to the uh, Catholic Charities, which was uh, focused on caregiving. And uh, I then worked at the county and state level uh, for the uh, Mental Hygiene Directors Association. And then I relocated here to, well, actually, I relocated a couple of places, did private clinical work, and then finally landed here in San Antonio just a little over a year ago.
0: Great. Very exciting. Great. That's quite a journey. So, so I guess I'm wondering, can you tell us, before we get into hearing about your book, um, I'd love to hear what got you into social work. What was your journey into this profession, and how did you find out about social work and get interested in it?
2: You know, you're going to think this is really crazy, but as I was growing up uh, a long time ago, back in the 60s, the the fields for gender were somewhat more limited, and it seemed like women were going either into being school teachers, domestic work of some sort, or social social workers, and Mm -hmm. in that time, my my mindset was, you know, child services, you know, Uh, but as an adult, um, uh, married young, my my Family was young. I actually was helped so much by so many people to um, have a successful uh, um, life for my children and myself. I was a very young mom, and um, I lived out of state without any family support. So I was introduced to these helpers who I didn't know at the time were social workers, you know, from different agencies in different places, and they made it possible for my family to thrive. Hmm. Um, later when I kept got back to the state of New York, um, and when ended up going to college, all the pieces just started falling together. And I was working and volunteering at the mental health association. Um, and it just sort of fell in line that when I did, um, get back to, to school that I took that field. Great. So, great, Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was a gift. I, 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 I kind of fell into it very fo- I was very fortunate.
1: Now, this has been an interesting year. Year unlike any other, or I guess now it's part year two. Um, but during this time of a pandemic, you wrote a book. And I would like to hear a little bit about that inspiration. You know, how do you go from being a social worker who is, you know, has a passion, you know, mental health, has all this expertise, to then taking your knowledge and picking up a pen and just start writing? Right. Yeah. Or a computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah.
2: So I've always been a writer. I process my thoughts that way. Uh, so writing is very natural to me. And I will tell you that uh, before I started working at Catholic Charities, Caregiver Support Services, I had written a novel. That novel oh. sat on the shelf for decades, uh, shared only with a few private friends. Hmm. Um, the pandemic hit, and I had relocated to San Antonio and was waiting for my new social work license to be cleared by the state of Texas. Um, and I had this window of downtime, and I said, you know what, now's the time. I'm going to see if I can get that book published. And so I did. Now, that was just a completely fictional novel uh, about interrelationships between people, but it gave me the confidence that I actually could publish.
0: hmm
2: um so i was uh, participating in a writing um uh, month of july and i decided that i wanted to use that opportunity to write a novel that helped me process what was going on in the in the chaos of the world at that moment i don't know if you can parse out the year and a half or so that we've been having for, for the pandemic but July was when it sort of like peaked for me I'd been sort of locked self self-sequestering in the house since March yeah and um I just set at the computer every day Alyssa <laughs> every day and in a month I had the uh the bulk of the book written I then took eight more months to clean it up and make it (laughs) readable for everybody else or so. But um, I thought it would be very helpful in the process of writing it that other, you know, for me, but in the process of writing it, I realized it might be helpful for other people. And then I realized it might be a great tool to engage people in conversation and perhaps even a great learning tool to help students Mm -hmm in particularly in social work or in sociology, yeah. gain insights about this past year. Now, when you were going to school, and at least for those of us that went to school studying social work, they used to give us these vignettes mm-hmm. to read. <laughs> <laughs> I see Eric is giggling there a little bit. Yeah, right, you're both smiling. I, I, I envisioned the book as an extended vignette. Hmm. And I wanted to capture a lot of different points of view from a lot of different perspectives of people from different cultures, different socioeconomic status, different ages. And I wanted them all to be processing the impact of the pandemic so that the reader and myself could get a better grasp on what was going on in the world and maybe have some hope. In the end, what I did is is I, I, I remembered something I had written years ago about this woman who was looking out of a window and, sees a car accident about to happen on the street. Okay. She's removed from it. So she can't do anything to stop it. And I thought to myself, it was a great analogy to what we were feeling in our lives right now. I felt like we were watching a car wreck about to happen Mm -hmm. in July and couldn't stop it. So when I put all of it together, I ended up with 15 minutes on Illinois street which uh, is a story of a cluster of people on Illinois street, all from different backgrounds that come together around a central event, each telling the story from their own perspective and throughout the book highlighting all the secondary impacts of the pandemic. None of these people catch COVID. None of these people get the virus. They're all healthy, but they all, all have to adapt and struggle with the secondary impacts.
0: And do they have, uh, is there a point in the book where you, not to give away what happens, but because I haven't read the book, unfortunately, yet, but I plan to, uh, is there a point where the, uh, these individuals in the book um, experience grief and loss of others around them and, and are impacted in that way?
2: So yeah, Eric, that's exactly right. So some people are dealing with grief and loss Some people in the story are dealing more with anxiety. Some people are sort of being angry and, Mm. you know, and some people are trying to help others. They're all reacting in their own way to the situation on an individual level. And some people have had um, economic losses because they've been furloughed or laid off. So they have secondary issues of worrying about if they can keep their housing, will they get, you know, um, evicted. They're worrying about if they're gonna have food on the table for the kids. So we have a broad spectrum of of these issues, mental health issues, the individual issues, but also you get um, community level issues too, Mm -hmm. because you learn about the impact that the pandemic has been having on these institutions in our community, the hospitals, the teachers, our places of worship, Mm -hmm. Um, and even the police force, because if you remember at that time, law enforcement was under a a great deal of turmoil and scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Right. So it all comes up together in this short little book, um, but I try to incorporate as many secondary impacts as possible that seem believable within the context of the story. And it's told as a story, not as a textbook
0: but this is, so this is essentially a very timely book. I mean, this is a book that is of the moment right now. And, and I'm guessing that was part of your intent was to write something about the here and now. Um, Is there something, you know, I mean, obviously I think we've all experienced the pandemic in different ways and each person in our society has its, his or her or their own relationship with this current phenomenon the situation around us um but is there something about it for you that you know really um sparked that idea to write a book about this current time
2: again I, i really think that it was my own angst that i was trying to process one of the strange phenomenons that happens when you relocate into a new area and you don't know very many people is that um you end up being rather uh, isolated, not just because of the pandemic, but because you really don't know anybody.
0: Yeah.
2: And you you haven't affiliated yet with different community um, activities and so forth. So uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, once I was sequestered, especially just sort of trying to figure out what this crazy world was, was trying to, to, to accomplish. And one of the things that I needed to do was to create a ray of light to let in some hope. And um, I I was remembering some research from long ago about how important relationships are for people who are hospitalized in in their recovery. And um, I started to think about how important community was in our coping as a parallel. And when I thought of that, and had this this image of this uh, urban scene with this car street uh, scene, it just sort of fell together as uh, its own story. And I needed it, like you said, to be timely. Um, and sh- I wanted it to be short so people could digest it because a lot of people are having a lot of fatigue over this whole pandemic and don't <laughs> wanna read much about it. So I wanted it to be a real easy read. I wanted it to be short, but I wanted it to be um, engaging so that they, they, they would read it fast. Um, And so uh, I, I thought the opening with, with that pending potential accident would grab them. I thought that um, the ray of hope would be what comes out of the community when everybody comes out to on the street and within where their apartment buildings where they're living. And I, you know what? I felt a lot better after I wrote it because I realized there is hope out there. And I hope readers feel that way, too.
1: Now, and- w- what were some of the sources that, you know, informed this novel's development? Like, how did you decide what to include, what not to include? And is it more and- geared? Uh, I'll, 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 my next question will be after you answer that one. But is it geared more towards social workers or can anyone read it?
2: Really, uh, thank you so much for asking those great questions. Um, So informed the writing. Well, as I mentioned, it started off being informed by my own feelings and intentions. Um, As I realized what it was going to become, I decided to make sure that everything I wrote in the book was accurate. So every reference to any secondary impact is backed up with a reference in the back of the book. People may not realize how many different ways this pandemic has rippled out and affected all of us. So there's references there for them. Um, That being said, it it is told like a story. Uh, So a lot of uh, the other information was my creation uh, my imagination. So I didn't use recent research. I did newspaper articles and I used my imagination to help Mm. inform the story. Um, Who is it for? Good question. Um, I've actually uh, thought as I was writing it, like I said before, that it was like an extended vignette. So I thought it might be really perfect platform for professors, uh, instructors, teachers at different levels uh, of academic education to use as a jumping off spot
1: Mm. to help
2: engage students in dialogue, discussions, questions. And to that end, on the back of the, at the end of the book, I have 30 questions, 10 for book clubs, 10 for social work, and 10 for sociology.
1: I was about to sure. ask, and I was like, oh, it'd be great if there were some questions, too, to get the conversation started. That's a good thinking there. <laughs>
2: that was my thought. So they get the reference, they, they, they get a They get a, a story that engages them, questions that they can think about, and references to look up. <laughs>
0: But your choice to uh, to focus on stories of resilience and people who have, you know, done well is an interesting one, because typically when I you know when we think about social work vignettes or vignettes that help students in the classroom, they're about people experiencing really difficult, traumatic, um, you know, uh, outcomes that are really negative and painful. And, and, you know, we try to mine that for learning potential, but I really am struck by the fact that, you are, that you've made a conscious decision, it seems, to focus on uh, stories that are positive and, and survivorship and um, resilience rather than focusing on the, the negative. And, and I'm curious to hear you talk about that a little bit.
2: Mike. Well, um, you're right. Uh, I, the book wouldn't have any drama to it at all, uh, as well, if I didn't have some of those hard stories. So there is, um, uh, you know, trigger warnings here. There is some family violence, mm. there is substance abuse, there's a variety of issues that are very hard for people uh, and also very real uh, for people to read about. Um, But I had a friend who's neither a social worker or a sociologist who was telling me how she just couldn't take one more bad story. And she didn't want me to write anything where anybody dies or anything bad happens. (laughs) Please, Renee, don't write something sad. So um, I decided uh, using her wisdom to make sure that while this would be a book that was reflective of the real world, it would also have hope and and strength and positive uh, endings. So in the beginning of the book, there's some, uh, I, for lack of a better word, we'll call it rambling by different characters in the book that kind of give you the pre-story. Then there's Mm -hmm. the 15 minutes of time when the actual story takes place. um, and, And I had to keep it tight like that so that the book would be a short book (laughs) you know if you write about days of people languishing with all of their stress it it it, it becomes a big book so I had 15 minutes of this and then also at the end there's an epilogue which tells you the endings for each Mm -hmm. of the characters and I found that really satisfying and I've only been getting uh the book is on Amazon I've been getting some reviews Uh, the book was only released on April 23rd but three people have put out a review already, and um, I'm getting the sense that that hopefulness uh, from the reviews—I'm uh, getting a sense that that worked.
0: And have you had other have you had other folks in your life read it as well, or is this something that you've kept uh, fairly close, you know, to you before sending it out into the world?
2: Right. So writing is a very solitary uh, experience. I, as an English major, you probably know that. Um, however. Once you finish polishing off whatever you can, um, I find it really helpful to share the story with um, a lot of people to get feedback so I can fine tune it. And uh, to that end, I had uh, uh, a dozen, what they call alpha and better readers, uh, people who would read it and give me feedback. And Mm. I tried to make sure that in that group, I had uh, other uh, people who were You know, a a varied grouping of people, but I wanted to make sure that anybody that I could get in there that was a teacher would particularly be in the group so I could get their feedback. Mm. Um, And oh, I've got something funny to tell you. Alyssa, you may not remember her, but another student intern was an exchange student from another country who became a professor. And she's now teaching at her in her home country because she was a foreign exchange student from Mongolia. So she read the book as one of my pre-readers, and she, before I even got the thing published, said she would like to use it in the classroom, as mm. did one of her other colleagues. So the book is in the process of being translated into of all languages, Mongolian.
0: <laughs> wow, wow <laughs> well that's that's a mark of success already that that you're you're in translation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, i i was quite taken back by it so uh no i was i was thrilled uh because it was the furthest thing from my mind at that point I was just trying to get it edited and 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 fine-tuned so uh, that was a real uh pat on the back to give me enthusiasm to get it going. So, yeah, um, that's that's it becomes a real community effort at that point. It's no longer a um, a solitary uh, experience. I Mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of people. I had a uh, police officer, a retired detective from New York City, give me advice and information on what it was like to be a cop. I had nurses, RNs giving me feedback on the medical piece, making sure everything was accurate.
0: So if you've just tuned in, I just want to remind listeners, or if you're if you're new to the show and just tuned in a few minutes ago, we're talking with Renee Goldsmith Benson from San Antonio, Texas. And Renee is a social worker by training, an alumna of the School of Social Welfare here at the University of Albany. But she's also an author, and she has a very new book that's just been released a few weeks ago, just been published. It's called 15 Minutes on Illinois Street um thank you <laughs> yeah of course of course it, it really you know one of the other things I wanted to ask you about and it's just on my mind right now because Alyssa and I have just completed another interview where we were talking about the power of stories and so and right. why stories are so important uh you know not just for teaching potential but just in in terms of how we communicate and how we uh, get certain ideas across and how people are impacted by stories. And um, so, you know, I wonder now, now that you are, and I think you had shared with us that you've also, you had written a novel prior to this. And so you you are someone who certainly understands and appreciates stories, I think. Um, but I wonder, do you have a different relationship with the concept of story and the potential impact that story can have on people after uh, writing this book?
2: Wow. Um, You know, I I think that when you write, you often read from a different perspective. Um, If a story is really powerful, you kind of get pulled into it and you forget where you are and what's around you and you live in the pages of that book. Um, But oftentimes, especially while I'm writing, Uh, a novel or after I've just published one, um, I find that when I read other people's work, I'm really looking, gee, how did they navigate this relationship? How did they make that jump in time? How did they do this smoothly or do that so that it was effective and bring out the emotion for the reader? Um, And I think that all writers really benefit from a, a broad, diverse reading background uh, uh, stories are just really um, the backbone I think of of, of our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I'm sure that that you guys are both we're, I'm making a big guess here, but I'm assuming
1: that both of you are big readers too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think you're absolutely right. Alyssa, were you going to...
1: Uh, no, I just... How you how you really took the time to speak to all these other profession, you know, people in different professions. If you said police officers, nurses, individuals who were just impacted, you know, had, or had anxiety during COVID or were, you know, frustrated or had lost a job. And you... Took the time to really get different perspectives, so you could accurately portray that. And I think that's valuable not only for social work students, but just in general, people taking that time to see how other people are impacted and to have that better understanding of, mm-hmm. you know, I just this pandemic, being on the internet and social media, I've just I've gotten frustrated just by. I felt like some sort of closed-mindedness in terms of not really understanding how other people would feel, you know, as you're mm-hmm. sitting behind a computer with, you know, no face to your name or even a fake right. name, and just being able to say things and not really, people not taking the time to understand or, you know, he- yeah, there hear are about people other people. on comments yeah. pretty quickly, don't they? Yeah, so this book where you are taking that time to say, like, here's how other people are feeling and here's what's going on in other people's lives. And yes, they're like vignettes, but it, it gives a, a reader, I think, a good chance to take a step back uh, and really process the different yeah. aspects of other people's lives, even if it's fictional. It does give that good portrayal. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Oh, thank you. It
2: just dawns on me listening. I think I've heard you in other broadcasts, Alyssa, say that you have a child now.
1: I do. I do. She's eight.
2: She's eight. Well, you know, you will probably, and it's a girl, I guess. Uh, So you'll probably appreciate that there are two 10-year-olds and a 14-year-old in this book, along with people of many other ages. I think the oldest one is nearly 70. So I did try to do a, a range of ages, but portraying the Uh, children was really interesting to me because obviously it's been a long time since I was that age and since I had my own child of that age because my children are all grown. I do have grandchildren and I do have neighbors with children. So what I noticed was is I was really paying attention to what they were doing at a higher level than I think I would have Mm -hmm. if I wasn't writing this book. Mm -hmm. Just noticing how many times my my seven-year-old grandson was washing his hands you know, or my neighbors who uh, have children and we're backing, you know, the kids, everybody is so, uh, has been so frightened Mm -hmm. from this pandemic that they behave differently. So um, I just felt it was important to bring out these things uh, so that, like you said, there'd be a broader understanding among people. Mm -hmm. And I think reading offers that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's also interesting on, on a different level. You know, we talked a few minutes ago about how you were offering stories of hope and resilience. Um, you're also role modeling for people how to use a situation or maybe use is the wrong word, but to take a situation that is arguably, I think, one of the most um What's the word I'm looking for? One of the most complicated, challenging, and and you know difficult situations that we've faced as a society, probably in our lifetimes, you know, for for many of us, and to take that and turn uh, turn to creativity and art, whether it's art, visual art, music, film, or writing a book. Uh, I think really is important sort of, and I I personally look forward to kind of seeing what types of artworks emerge from this time, whether they be novels, films, music, writing. Um, I just like that idea of people taking a difficult situation and uh, maybe looking inwardly, but also looking toward community and trying to create at the same time that we're just responding, as Alyssa said, to things on the internet, but to also engage in this act of creation and to make something new at a time that that you know maybe that's not the immediate you know impulse of folks is to make art at a time like this. But but you've done that, so it's really remarkable.
2: Well, I, I think artists, musicians, writers—I think all of us uh, cope using our natural tendencies, and um, you know, an artist will create artwork and a writer will create, you know, writing words on paper to help express and parse out what their brain is, is trying to organize and, 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 and make sense of. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it it's really a, a, a story of how individuals and community as a whole manages to cope, you know, how we adapt and cope mm-hmm. is through our, what we produce a lot. Uh, whether it's whether we're producing artwork, like you're saying, or, you know, a lot of times people are just physically uh, oriented and they get their expression by doing physical things. So you'll find, I know I walk around the community here, people have converted their garages into gyms. Mm -hmm. And I see people all over the place. This is how they're processing the situation because they're physical people. So they're out there working it out. So I think we all use what what, uh, natural talents we have.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, and we're running out of time. But I just want one other thing I wanted to say was this book, I think, is helpful because, you know, as you're talking to people who are, you know, are capturing individuals or even though they're fictional with anxiety or frustration or who are going through these tough times, even though, it you know, it is talking about resilience, but it's still a tough time. I think that's helpful because there's so many people that I've just been talking to, friends or family who are have had these feelings and they're not sure how to process them. And sometimes they feel alone. You know, am I the only one who's feeling like this or am I the only one who's going through this? And even as now this pandemic hopefully is ending a little bit, at least in the United States, it's still people are like, well, I still don't feel comfortable doing something. Other people said, you know, that I had the vaccine, that I should be able to do this, but I still am not ready And I feel like a book that captures different perspectives is really helpful for individuals as they are trying to process their own feelings and not feel so alone or not feel like they're pushed to do one thing or pushed to do another and sort of go at their own pace as to where they're ready and to have a book that captures that, that it's we're all in different places and that's okay, you know?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a character in this book. Her name is Sylvia. And if somebody really grows and adapts and learns in this book. I would say Sylvia is one of those people because she's very critical of people who are going down the, down the road, there's a church, they're going to church and she's like, how can they do that? They're going to get sick, you know? And she's just really having a very big, you know, a, a real hard time with them get being out there. By the end of the book, things have changed so much for her. And I think what you're saying is a little bit like that. It's really important for us to step back and consider where people are, where they're from, from their place of view, and, and give it, people the chance to communicate without jumping on them with uh, critical negativity, feedback, yeah. and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need some space, and um, this uh, people also need other people. They need community, and hopefully this book helps people see that.
0: So the book is, you know, we're, we're winding down with our conversation here. It's been really great hearing from you. Um, the book is still fresh. I mean, it's just only been out, and published a few weeks ago, but I'm wondering if we can ask you to look into the future a little bit and say what's next for you after this book.
2: <laughs> you may appreciate this. Um, the heaviness of this book, uh, when I was writing it, the first half in particular, um and with what was going on in the world around me uh made me want to write something quite light after this um and uh at this point I, I uh, had sent the book finished the, the draft and was sending it out for people for comment and I couldn't really move any further on the book till I got everybody's feedback and could polish it so I started writing the next book <laughs> and, I still hadn't gotten my license at that time. So it's about 80% drafted. And it's about, you're going to laugh, a social worker who's (laughs) not comfortable in his own skin.
0: Interesting.
2: (laughs) So he takes a long road trip with his dog. And this story is a humorous story about a person sort of finding themselves on the road with their dog and coming to terms with who they are. Um, And all the funny anecdotes that happen as he travels from place to place.
0: So it'll be interesting to follow your career as it moves forward and see if you start to identify more as an author or as a social worker first or as a social worker, author, (laughs) author, social worker. Uh, It's an interesting set of identity um, issues there.
2: Yeah, well, I guess I'll have to look more deeply into that. In the beginning, it was just all about waiting for my license to get here. Um, and and now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that it, it has finally arrived. Uh, I have to decide, do I want to actually go back and, and do a nine to five or, or, or an actual day job? Or do I want to keep writing? So yeah. we'll find out the rest of the story next time.
0: Great. So yeah. you've been listening to The Social Workers here on WCDB Albany, and we've been talking with Renee Goldsmith Benson, who is a social worker, and alum of the School of Social Welfare at the University of Albany, and also the author of 15 Minutes on Illinois Street. Congratulations on the publication of the book, Renee. Thank you for being our guest today.
2: Thank you so very much for having me. It was great to talk to both of you. I really appreciate it.
0: And so we will sign off here. Alyssa, thank you for your assistance and guidance and co-hosting.
1: It's always a good time, Eric.
0: Always a good time. So we will have uh, more shows coming up soon, I would imagine, where you know, we we're always looking for new stories to tell and new folks to interview and new conversations to have through this medium of radio and podcast. And so uh, we look forward to uh, to more future episodes.
1: Yes. And as we're waiting for the next episode to air, I'll, I guess I'll be reading because I have a new book now, thanks to <laughs> Renee, that I can, uh, I can have, you know, I enjoy the warmer weather with a good book. Sh- enjoy it. You can get it on Amazon.
0: I was just going to say, Renee, you read my mind because I was just going to say we should probably tell listeners where to find the book and how to look for it.
2: Yeah, just uh, put uh, 15 Minutes on Illinois Street into the uh, search on Amazon, or if you can't remember that, you can put in my name, Renee Benson. That'll get it whatever way you want. You'll find it there.
0: Great. Thanks again for listening to WCDB Albany and the social workers. You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany.